Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 12. Actually, that's wrong. Verse, verse uh, 17. My seven looked like a two. Um, Isaiah in the Old Testament uh, saw a vision of the Lord. He was high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. The temple was filled with smoke, and he sees these mighty angels crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And uh, Isaiah is overwhelmed with a sense of his own unworthiness. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. And so in this vision, God sends an angel who touches Isaiah's mouth with a coal from the altar to purge his lips, to cleanse his lips. Of course, it's a picture of Jesus Christ and the cleansing work that was accomplished at the cross for our sin. And he says, now your lips are clean. And God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. He volunteered. We're from the volunteer state, right? Isn't that a good thing? Especially in the things of God. Isaiah volunteered not knowing what would come as a result of his volunteering for ministry. He said, here am I, send me. He trusted God with his future. You know, I'm convinced we need to trust God with our future. Jesus said, he who lays down his life for my sake uh, will find it. In other words, when we deny ourselves and we choose to follow Christ, regardless of the cost, we find that life is worth living. We find his joy as we follow him wholeheartedly. And uh, this scripture is actually about Abraham and the patriarchs. Abraham trusted God with his future. I mean, I, I don't know how much greater trust in God that you could have than to take the son, who was the son of promise, all the promises made to Abraham were supposed to come through Isaac. God says, I want you to take Isaac, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Uh, this, of course, was before the days of the law, when Moses wrote that uh, uh, child sacrifice was uh, something that God hates. Uh, Abraham didn't know this. Of course, God stops Abraham before he actually plunges the knife. Uh, but Abraham willingly goes, and his, his wheels are turning. Okay, um, God's asked me to sacrifice my son, and I know that my son is the son of promise. And so, how is this going to work? And then he thinks, you know what, I guess God is going to raise my son from the dead. And that's what he's thinking. And he, he tells his, his servants who are, who are traveling with him, he says, he says, I and the lad will go and will offer sacrifice and will come back to you. We will come back to you. And so uh, Abraham has the faith. He's not really sure how God's going to do all this, but he has the faith that somehow God is going to work in this situation and is going to take care of him as he chooses to obey him in faith. And it was a a remarkable test. Um, of course, as uh, he's walking up the hill, Isaac says, where is the lamb for the sacrifice, my father? 
And you've got this teenage boy who's strong enough. Abraham's an old man, so uh, Isaac was probably strong enough to take him. But he willingly goes with his father, and his father binds him upon the altar. He takes the knife. He raises the knife to kill his son. And God says, wait. Don't hurt him. Don't plunge the knife. He says, now I know that your heart is fully mine. And he says, see that lamb over there in the thicket? Offer that lamb instead of your son. And it's a beautiful picture of what God did for us. He provided a substitute so we wouldn't have to die for our sin. Jesus Christ at the cross. And, and, and so Jesus takes our place. And uh, he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And God, God sees what Abraham has done. And he says, he says, now I know that your heart is fully mine. And he, he blesses Abraham. And he makes Abraham even greater promises than he had made to him before. And, it, and, and it, it's so emphatic. And he says, listen, I am really, I'm just putting this in everyday language, I am really going to bless you because you have trusted me in this circumstance. Well, you move on. Another generation, Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau, and he blesses them. Of course, we know the story. Uh, Jacob puts the, the hairy, I mean, you talk about, they had some, some family, dysfunctional family issues, you know. Uh, Jacob puts uh, goat skin on his arms that has long hair like his brother Esau. And his, his father can't see well, and so he comes. He says, well, you sound like Jacob, uh, but you said you're Esau. He says, come closer to me. And he smells the field smell on, on Jacob, and he says, ah, oh, the smell of a field, like my son. And, uh, and then he feels his arms, oh, they're hairy. Uh, so this is Esau, and so he blesses Jacob. And then uh, Jacob leaves, and Esau comes in with his meal. And he says, now, bless me, I've come to get, to get the blessing. And, of course, he's already given it to Jacob. And he says, well, I've blessed Jacob. Your, your brother has come, and he's taken it by deceit. And, uh, and, and Esau says, well, is there not a blessing for me? So then Jacob blesses Esau. But as he ble- or I mean, Isaac blesses Esau. <laughs> and as he blesses him, what is he doing? He's declaring the will of God under the leadership of God's Spirit for his sons and what God's going to do in their lives. And it's actually a prophecy of what God's going to do in the future uh, in his sons' lives. Uh, He does this by faith. He's trusting God with the future of his sons. I remember a while back, uh, uh, Megan, um, I think this was, I don't know if this was when she was engaged. I forget exactly what the timetable was, but there were some changes happening in Megan's life. David was getting ready to go into the, to the uh, Navy. And I was just kind of concerned about my kids. And I was just talking to God about it one day. And, and uh, I had a dream one night. And I don't even remember the details of the dream now. But uh, God, I feel like, was assuring me that my kids were going to be provided for. He was going to take care of them. And he did. He has taken care of them and provided for them. And, uh, and what an assurance that was. Um, but uh, this is kind of what, what God is doing. He's given an assurance to Isaac. And then um, Jacob then blesses Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so he, again, is trusting God 
with the future of his children. Aren't you glad you can trust God with your children? I mean, one day our kids grow up and they're no longer in our home. I've, I've experienced that. Uh, but praise God, they never are outside the sight and the care of our God. And so uh, they're trusting God with their future. So that's, that's uh, what this scripture is about. And we, as God's people, need to trust God with our futures as well. And the title is, is Trusting God with Your Future. And let's read this scripture um, beginning in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son. The one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons, uh, each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones. And so, trusting God with your future, how do we do that? Uh, well, first of all, give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Now, that's, a, that's about as sacrificially a gift as you could have, literally sacrificial, okay? Uh, but sacrificial giving, regardless of the type of giving it is, is a specific way we trust God with our future, right? Uh, I remember reading uh, the, the uh, biography of um, Peter Marshall. It was actually written by his wife. And uh, she, she was describing um, different things. Well, then um, later on, the daughter writes this last chapter, I think, it, where, where it describes their, their death. And she says, uh, we found that in their bank account, all that was left was about, uh, now this was way back a long time ago, so this would have been more than now, but there was about $25 in their bank account all that they had because they get, they were so generous. They were always giving to other people. Now, I'm not suggesting that you only have $25 in your bank account, okay? So relax, okay? That, that's not a prescription for everybody. Uh, the Bible does talk about storing up in good times for those times that will be hard. And so that saving and all those things, those are scriptural principles, and, and we don't deny that. However, we need to have an open hand with God so that if God puts his finger on something and says, I want you to give this, that we're willing to do it, even if it costs us. I can remember uh, early in, uh, in, in our adulthood when Sharon and I were first married, there were some times that just giving our tithe was a sacrificial gift. Um, I've sh shared with you before, you know, choice of, okay, do we buy groceries or do we pay our tithe? And that was, that was a discussion we had, and, and uh, we went ahead and paid the tithe. And guess what? God supplied the groceries, <laughs> which I've told you all about that. I won't get into the details of that again. But uh, what, an, what a wonderful God we serve. 
He is able to take care of us. We can trust him with our future. And so that means when I'm called to give, I don't have to worry and wring my hands about my future. Well, what am I going to do? If I give this away, if I obey God, what am I going to do? God will take care of you, right? Because if he is calling you to give it, then he is responsible to provide your need. And so uh, this sacrificial gift, and that, that's exactly what God did with Abraham, right? Well, God, I thought Isaac was going to be the one that all of my descendants were going to come through. Uh, this is what you told me. And, you know, and so, but he's, he's obeying God, and as he raises the knife, what does God do? He provides exactly what he needs. There's a ram in the thicket. So we trust God with our future by giving sacrificial. And it may not be money. It may be time. It may be taking a, a segment of time aside to do something God calls you to do when you think, well, you know, I really need to be doing such and so and such and so. But you, you choose to take that time to do what God's called you to do. You know what I've found? God can bless your time. He can cause you to get more done in a, in a section of time than you thought you were going to get done. I found this with prayer especially. God calls you to pray. He burdens your heart to pray, and you take some time to pray, and then God just blesses that other time, and you, everything falls into place, and you, you get the things done you need to get done. Um, it's an amazing thing. So we need to hold things loosely in our life and trust God with our future. We walk by faith, not by sight. And as we obey God and we are willing to give sacrificially of whatever it is he puts his finger on in our lives, then we're able to be used by God, and, uh, and God uh, takes care of us in our future. So, trusting God with your future, how do you do it? Give sacrificially. Secondly, trust confidently. Trust confidently. If you look, um, the second part of the, the uh, verse 17, he received the promises and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. And so it was as though he had risen from the dead because God supplied a substitute so he wouldn't have to rise from the dead, right? Um, and so, um, but... Abraham's trust here is amazing. He's confidently trusting that God has this situation under control, even though he doesn't understand it. You ever had a situation you just didn't understand? Well, God, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what you're going to do. Um, this seems impossible to me. Uh, but God specializes in the, the impossible. Uh, I love what uh, the angel tells Mary. Nothing will be impossible with God. Ask Elizabeth. Okay, He said, nothing will be impossible with God. And so we can trust him confidently. When you take a step of obedience, I'm not talking about trusting God for something that God hasn't told you to trust him for. There's people on TV who tell you, if you just trust God, he'll give you a Rolls Royce and a, and a Rolex watch, and uh, you'll have all, all this money and everything. Where's that found in the Bible? Somewhere I read Jesus had no place to lay his head, okay? God supplied his needs. Um, Paul said we went without. We, sometimes our clothing wasn't what we needed and all these things. And, and we suffered and we, we went through some difficult things. But, but God took care of them. You see, you can trust God to do what he calls you to trust him to do, Okay? 
So we, we have the right to trust God when he has either spoken to us through his word. He's given us a promise in his word. Uh, if it's an unconditional promise, we have confidence that God will do it no matter what. Okay? Take it to the bank. If it's a conditional promise, if we fulfill the condition, God will fulfill his end of the, par- of the bargain. Okay? Uh, but if God hasn't spoken, sometimes he may speak to us through his Holy Spirit. And he assures us that something's going to take place. And we can trust him with that. But we have to hear from him in order to trust him confidently. Abraham had heard from God, right? God said, through Isaac, your seed is going to be reckoned. Uh, I'm going to, Isaac is going to be the one through whom all your descendants come. And so Abraham is trusting confidently that God will fulfill what he has said, even if it means he will raise the dead. Um, Have you ever felt like there's a situation that is just dead in your life? There's no hope. There's no way to, to have any positive thing to say about it. It is just over. It is just finished. Not so fast. If God has spoken into your life, you can trust him confidently to work in that situation, even when it seems that there's no hope for that to take place. I remember um, there was a lady in, in our uh, church in Illinois where I attended for, for a while, and uh, we were praying for God. She had a softball-sized cancer uh, in her abdomen area, and uh, God, we'd been praying for God to remove it. Now, in this case, we didn't have... Um, I don't, know, I don't remember anybody feeling like God had said she's going to be healed, but we were just praying for God, and God extended his mercy. And can I tell you, they went in to check her before she was supposed to go into to surgery to get that removed, and the tumor was completely gone. This is our God. He's able to do these things. Now, he doesn't always heal of cancer, okay? But sometimes he does. Uh, so... When God gives us a word, when God gives us a promise, we can trust confidently in what he has said, uh, and uh, we can trust him with our future. So trust in God with your future. How? Well, first of all, give sacrificially. Secondly, trust confidently. Thirdly, declare boldly. Verses 20 and 21, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. And by blessed, that means they pronounced uh, something that was going, that was given by God to them concerning their future, okay? So, uh, uh, and uh, it says, uh, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph, Jacob did. So, they declared boldly what God had laid upon their heart to say. I think you've got to be careful about going around saying, thus says the Lord, unless you're speaking about his word. But, but there is something to be said. The Bible does say that the Spirit of God can lead us, and He can speak through us. And I don't know about you, but there have been times that somebody, I was going through something, and, and maybe this person didn't even know what I was going through, and they say exactly what I needed to hear. Maybe it's a scripture they share. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement, but it was exactly what I needed. That's supernatural. Especially when it happens like three times in a day. Have you ever had that happen? And it's different people. And none of them know about your situation. And yet God uses all of them to speak into your life. Aren't you grateful for those times? And what a, 
Sometimes I just have to shake my head to say, Lord, thank you. You are so good. Sometimes he may lay upon our hearts to share with someone else. And as we do that, as we declare what God has moved us to share, uh, then God uses that to edify other people and to build other people up and encourage them in the things of God. Uh, I, I would imagine these young men, as they heard this blessing, were very encouraged by it. Uh, maybe with the exception of Esau. <laughs> you know, he was still upset because he didn't get the big blessing that Jacob got. But, uh, but can you imagine the encouragement this is what God says about your life. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to accomplish. This is what you're going to be like. And, uh, and they're hearing this. It has to, to just encourage them and bless them and uh, help them to trust in God uh, in, in the difficult days that they face. Uh, God has said some things about us in his word. Uh, I, I love uh, Neil Anderson uh, wrote a book um, Victory Over the Darkness years ago. And uh, in the back of that book, he's got a, a, a section of things that the Bible says about you and me. It'd be kind of like a, a blessing. And uh, he would go through and he'd have, he was a counselor, and he'd go through when people come to him for counseling, he, he would have them repeat these things out loud every day. This is what God says about you. And it was kind of like a blessing. But it was just the truth of God's word that he had said over uh, all of his people who've ever trusted him, uh, some of them were like, you were God's child. Or and, and it was phrased, I am God's child. I am God's friend. I have been set free. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of God's beloved son. Uh, and, and you go through those things. And man, you're ready to worship and sing hallelujah by the time you get through all those things. Why? Because God said this about you. And so, uh, trusting God with our future, uh, sometimes we do that as a community by saying what God has laid upon our hearts to say to bring encouragement and edification to other people. That's one reason I love the small group time in Sunday school or discipleship on Sunday night because those small groups you can, you can discuss, you can interact and as that interaction takes place, especially as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be so blessed in those times. And sometimes I'm blessed. I, I'm sitting here thinking, boy, this is good, this, this feedback that we're getting. It's blessing me. Come on, you know. And uh, uh, what, how, ble how blessed are we to have that time together? So uh, don't, don't be hesitant to share what God lays upon your heart to share. And uh, bless the people of God. We do evaluate that by God's word, uh, but we uh, are encouraged to share. So, <clears throat> uh, trusting God with your future, how do you do it? Give sacrificially, trust confidently, declare boldly. Be in church so that you could hear that declaration. Uh, worship joyfully. Worship joyfully. Look at verse 21. A faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshiped. Leaning on the top of his staff. Now, it might seem like kind of an odd situation uh, to worship. But guess what? You can worship God even when you're not at church. He's sitting there with his grandsons. Grandsons are awesome. 
<laughs> and uh, uh, he, he's blessed them and everything. And he's thinking about what God is going to do in their life. And he just starts to get excited in the Lord. And here he is. He can barely stand up. He's got his cane here. He's, wor- he's worshiping on the top of his staff because he can't stand up any, way, any other way. But he's just praising God. Isn't it a blessing to see saints who have lived with God over the years get excited about Jesus Christ and worship him? Um, listen, you don't have to dry up. I, some people say, well, you know, this new Christian, that excitement's not going to last. Well, how negative can we be? <laughs> listen, I want to tell you something. The Bible says he's called us to live an abundant life. And we can be joyful in the Lord. The, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so Jacob begins to worship God. And listen, I want to tell you something. Worship will help you face your future. There's something about worship, turning our eyes upon the Lord and taking them off everything. Uh, in one difficult season of my life, I remember things were, there was constant turmoil. And, you know, it's like I could never quit thinking about all the stuff that was going on and um, and I'd take that time of worship, and I'd, just, uh, I'd, I'd crank the radio. Well, it wasn't the radio. It was a CD, okay? Crank it up, okay? Now it would be uh, probably uh, one of those streaming services or something, you know. But um, <clears throat> I'd turn that worship up, and I'd begin to just praise God. And I'd lift my hands, and I'd get a little Baptecostal, and I might uh, shout, okay? <laughs> get excited in the Lord. And guess what? After I'd spent some time doing that, those problems seemed so small. My God was so big. <laughs> and I'd go out. Everybody, I was just, I, my heart was full of joy. And I looked at the future, and I, I was not intimidated by the future in, in that season because I was filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, makes me think of, uh, it, of course, this is, Really, no comparison to what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. But uh, you remember Rocky, uh, and I'm dating myself here, okay? Some of you remember Rocky. But uh, Rocky and Mr. T, and, and uh, uh, Rocky is fighting him the second time after he's been defeated. And at one point, he starts to rub his mohawk, and he says, Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. Ain't so bad. You know, and they're, and, um, that's, that's how, you, how you feel when you worship God. Listen, what the devil's trying to do ain't so bad. The evil of this world ain't so bad because Jesus Christ has stepped into your situation and you are filled with faith and you're filled with his presence and you recognize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can face our future with confidence. So worship joyfully and you will be able to to face the future and trust God with the future that you're facing so trust the God with your future how give sacrificially trust confidently declare boldly worship joyfully remember expectantly look at verse 22 by faith Joseph as he was nearing the end of his life mentioned the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions concerning his bones okay what's this talking about well God had told Abraham, he said, your descendants are going to be in Egypt for 400 years. After that time, I'm going to bring them up out of that land and bring them back to the land of Canaan. And they're going to be here where you're living. And so, um, 
Joseph had heard about this uh, in his family. And so he's, he's about to die, and he says, look, he says, I know I'm living in Egypt, and I know it's going to be a while before we come out, but he says, I want you to make me a promise. When you guys come up out of Egypt, you're going to take my bones to the promised land because I don't belong in Egypt. I'm just an alien here. I have a future homeland awaiting me. And by faith, he looked forward. He remembered what God had said. And he trusted God with his future. And he said, listen, you're going to come out of here. And when you do, take my bones with you. We have a promise, don't we, that helps us face our future. Jesus is coming. Listen, I don't know how long it's going to be. It could be today. It could be uh, 100 years from now, okay? I don't know. But one thing I do know, he is coming. And when he comes, everything's going to change. <laughs> Philip was laughing today. Uh, Philip, Wayne, and I were sitting on this front pew, and we were, we'd just gotten through praying. And we started to stand up, and all of us went, oh, like that when we stood up. <laughs> and that creek cracked up. I said, one of these days, we're not going to do that when we stand up. Aren't you glad? One of these days, I won't have allergies. I won't have to deal with headaches or, or these things that we face and, and the more serious diseases that we face. Uh, all of that will be passed. Why? Because those of us who know Christ will have glorified bodies. Brand new bodies fit for a new kingdom, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Uh, that God is preparing for us even now. Can you imagine? We were, Sherry and I were uh, watching the end of a show. Sherry likes that HGTV. I endure it, but uh, she likes it. And, uh, she, but we were watching that together the other night, and this home, it was amazing, the change. that They had taken this home. It was older and looked like it maybe been built back in the 70s or something. They had taken this thing and added a story to it, and, I mean, it was beautiful. And the, the couple that was, was redoing this house, uh, the lady was a sister to the lady that they were renovating the house for. So she knew exactly what her sister's personality was. She knew exactly how to design this house in exactly the way that would be a blessing to her. And I couldn't help but think, that's exactly what Jesus is going to do for us one day. He knows us better than anybody knows us. You know, I, I think there's going to be a Starbucks spigot in mine. Okay? <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to have a great old time. But Jesus knows exactly what I need. He knows how I'm wired. And he has custom designed a place just for me. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, it took him six days to make all this. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when we receive the place he's prepared for us? Um, we have a promise. And as we remember that promise and we remember back to what God has said, it gives us hope for our future. So we remember expectantly Jesus could come today. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if before Philip could even get up here to sing, Jesus came back, and all of us were caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Come, Jesus. <laughs> um, this is what helps us trust God with our future.
Are you trusting God with your future? How do you do it? Give sacrificially, trust confidently, declare boldly, worship joyfully, and remember expectantly as God's people. And you will trust God with your future. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, can I tell you, the way you trust God with your future starts with the decision to give your heart and your life to Him. Uh, to surrender to Him and receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, Jesus made that gift possible. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He died on the cross as our substitute and took the penalty for our sin, the wrath of God for our sin upon Himself, and He satisfied it. He paid the debt in full and said, it is finished. And, and then He rose again on the third day. And uh, the Scripture says, because of what Jesus has done, God can forgive us for our sin, cancel our debt, uh, and the, the uh, justice has been satisfied for us so he can adopt us into his family. He can give us a home in heaven. And uh, what an incredible blessing. Um, but we have to make the choice to receive that blessing. He won't force it on us. Uh, we have to, to make a choice to surrender our lives to him and to receive that gift in simple trust. And if we'll do that, Jesus will save us and give us eternal life. And so that's the first step. If you don't know Jesus Christ, uh, I'm going to just invite you, uh, as we begin to sing here in a moment, uh, to step out of your seat, come down here to the front, and say, you know, I, I, I need some hope. <laughs> um, and I just want to sur- I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want to receive his gift of eternal life tonight. It would be my delight to help you with that. You can come to the altar and pray about that if you want to do that. Um, If you're here tonight and you know Jesus Christ, um, maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, I need to lay some burdens down. Uh, Or if you need to come to me for prayer, I'd be happy to pray with you here tonight. Uh, Lord, help me trust. Help me. Lord, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Help me trust you with my future. Help me have your peace and your rest in the midst of all that's going on in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us trust you with our future. And and Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night they make that choice to surrender their heart to you.